Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, your journey into personal growth. The splendor of any decision is after you've made it, all that remains to be seen are its consequences. My name is Ken Primus. I am your host. Here at Threads of Enlightenment, we talk about the principles of self-development and personal growth. By having conversation with people, who have walked through their journey of personal growth. We believe that everyone at some point in their life will have to deal with one or more of these principles to have the privilege of focusing on their self-development as humans. These principles, when applied, can help you to become the best self possible. Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, your journey into personal growth. The splendor of any decision is after you've made it, all that remains to be seen are its consequences. My name is Ken Primus, I am your host. Here at Threads of Enlightenment, we talk about the principles of self-development and personal growth. By having conversation with people, who have walked through their journey of personal growth. We believe that everyone at some point in their life will have to deal with one or more of these principles to have the privilege of focusing on their self-development as humans. These principles, when applied, can help you to become the best self possible. Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment. I'm so excited to have this individual here tonight, today, tonight, wherever you guys are listening, because her body of work is beautiful. The purpose of it is all about what I am about. And so I'm so excited to have this conversation. I think I would, I'm going to enjoy it a little more than you, but we shall have it together. So I want everyone to welcome Doc here. She's going to tell us what she has created today, and then we're going to walk through life, and she's going to uh, let us know how she got there. Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment. Thank you. Hi, Ken. I am so delighted to be here. I, I, I think the world needs more of this ethos, and we are multiplying. We're going to be amplifying this over the next <laughs> two years. I, I am very, very excited about the future, and I hope to share that with your audience uh, about why, because I know that's an unusual opinion about the state of our world right now, but I'm very, I'm very optimistic and thrilled by what I see around me, and I hope to share that with people today. I'm excited. I can't wait for you to share it with us. Uh, tell us some of the things I know you've done so much, your body of work, TED Talks, you do so much stuff. Um, you have your podcasts, you have your um, appear on television. Tell us of some of the things that you do and some of the vision that you have today that is um, have been uh, you have given birth to that is already in place to help uh, individuals that need help. Well, Ken, at, at the highest level, 
I am shining a light and celebrating and trying to amplify what I'm calling a conspiracy of goodness mm-hmm. that's going on in this world. And I, I get goosebumps. I just got goosebumps every time I say those words. The, mm-hmm. the story of the conspiracy of goodness comes from World War II, and I, I'd love to share it with folks right off so mm-hmm. they know what I mean when I say this, and they'll probably recognize their own story in this story, I hope. So um, to start off at this really high level of our conversation, the conspiracy of goodness, that phrase, that three-word phrase, I dove into the history of it. And the first place I can find it, um, it was uttered by a a rabbi named Harold Schulweis in 1986. Mm -hmm. He was uh, traveling through Europe, giving a talk that he called the conspiracy of evil. It was a talk about Mm -hmm. World War II. And he tells this amazing story of giving his talk. And at the end, he was in Belgium. Um, An old man stood up in the back of the room and raised his hand. And the old man said, "Uh, well, I should preface this um, with the fact that um, there is a town um, called Le Chambon, France, that managed Mm -hmm. to save 3,000 Jews from a nearby concentration camp with no organization. All these villagers hid over 3,000 people for years in their homes, most of them children, at great risk to their own lives. Um, and uh, this old man who stood up in the back of the room was one of the rescuers. Wow. So the old man stood up and he said, why is it that everyone just focuses so relentlessly on the conspiracy of evil that was World War II? He mm-hmm. said, do you think I could have saved an entire Jewish family in my home without the active help of the milkman, the mailman, and the neighbors. He said, no, for every one person saved, there were seven who were rescuers. It was, he said, a conspiracy of goodness. (laughs) Well, this is who we are, Ken. My adventure, I I hope I can share my story with you um, of going from ordinary web user to uh, uh, my last TED Talk, they billed me as the global positive media mogul. (laughs) (laughs) That journey um, has taken me to understand something about us as humans that by far the vast majority of us are good. And we're, we want to be helpers. And we, every day, imagine a future that's better than the day before. And what we're hearing on the news and in our online lives is only a tiny slice of reality. Who we are is helpful and ingenious and remarkably generous. So that's the, what the conspiracy of goodness is in our times. I see this enormous wave of goodness and progress happening that almost no one realizes is going on yet, but we all are seeing signs of it. And your, your podcast and mine and thousands of others are part of that way. So are businesses that are popping up that are making the world a better place while putting food on, on the table. It, it is amazing. All the goodness that's happening in this world. That is awesome. I love all of it. And that's why I am honored to be a part of it. And I know you're a part of it. It's just an exciting time that we mm-hmm. live in. So, Doc, before you came to where you are today, tell us a little about yourself as far as when did you, uh, you and I had a conversation earlier and I talked about uh, the shaking of the tree within ourselves. And um, uh, before you got this vision, before you, you came to this place, tell us a little about yourself, where you came from, 
and uh, how did you begin to start walking the path? So I grew up in a very ordinary way in a little farming town in Illinois where the sky mm-hmm. is enormous and you could see 30 miles because everything's corn and soybeans. I mean, all of childhood is like a giant game of shoots and ladders because if you can just get above this, this wow. flat expanse, um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a amount of wonder that children thrive on. So I had a really normal upbringing, um, except that um, my dad was one of those last of the Mohican physicians, doctors who took care of birth to death. Mm-hmm. He was the town. He delivered all the babies in town. He met you at the emergency room if your kid went through the barbed wire fence on a mini bike. He mm-hmm. took out your appendix in the middle of the night. He sat with you when you were dying. He was just that mm-hmm. guy. And um, that's a, a le- watching that every day as a level of service to others and compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was an, remarkably um, instructive to me about how to live life. Yeah. Okay, so I grew up in these in the in the prairie of Illinois. I have this dad that's modeling goodness and kindness and service to others really well. And then I'd rather not go into the specifics, but um, a, a really horrific childhood tragedy happened um, in our town that was happened to my best friend's family, and um, and it was it was the worst that you can imagine in humanity, and that was it. I was changed forever, innocence lost. And for some reason, um, my brain went in the direction of proving that it is still an amazing world. At mm-hmm. age 15, I started a great philosophical search. I mm-hmm. read the Bible. I read the part of sort of the Torah. I, I, I read Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance and all the books mm-hmm. of the 60s. I, I'm a little too young for the 60s movement, but I had older people in my life who turned me on to great philosophy, um, uh, wisdom, cultures, and all that. And, um, and I started this strange journey to prove mm-hmm. that, that what my friend and I experienced as, as 15-year-olds was not the rule. It was by far the the exception of what humans are capable of, by far. And mm-hmm. I just knew that instinctively. I mean, you know, I grew up a Presbyterian girl, um, so I didn't have an overly um, active religious imagination. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but something about what I'd seen in my mom and what and, and dad and something about the way they perceive the uh, outer world. So I grew up in one of these households, Ken, where the every single horizontal surface was covered with national geographic magazines. <laughs> and and awesome. my, yeah. And they taught us that the wider world was nothing to be fearful of. They traveled yes. a lot. We didn't, they didn't take us, but that kind of an upbringing that I just described um, creates a kaleidoscope of, of, um, of questions. Mm-hmm. And of course that's what we're good at when we're teenagers yeah. and in our twenties, mm-hmm. we're just great at questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, um, and something in my nature, I, I think if I, if some once in a while, I, you know, you ask to reflect about your super superpower and I guess my superpower is curiosity. Mm-hmm. I, I learned at a very young age that the way to, um, make sense of the world around me, because this childhood experience was so nonsensical that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that the way I could make sense of the world fastest was to be most curious. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I could change contempt to curiosity really fast at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and um, I could, I could be curious instead of angry. 
quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, all those, all those sort of impulses um, that um, are easy to to just sort of mindlessly follow our, our our lizard brain, our amygdala that's all about fear and flight. Yeah, yeah. I. I had seen so much about fear so young that I wanted to run as fast as I could in the other way and mm-hmm. embrace whatever wasn't fear motivated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I started out like that and my dad was really big on education and I met my husband luckily when we were 15 or 14 and mm-hmm. um, we, we just knew we were going to be servants to humanity. And my dad said, don't go into medicine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he could see the way, where we are now coming even then. 40 years ago, he he knew that insurance companies were going to start telling doctors how long they had with patients and yeah. the way that he practiced was going to go away. So he looked next door and could see Dr. Doolin, a dentist, pulling in the driveway at six o'clock every evening. And he said, you can have a family if you live like Dr. Doolin, because my dad wasn't around a lot. So, um, so that's how I come to have a life in the service of others in the medical field. My husband and I have Mm -hmm. been dentists in Vermont for 30 years. And, um, now someone, almost everybody's going, wait, how do you go from dentist for 30 years to global positive media mogul? Yeah, that's (laughs) the story. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So how that works is that we built a practice that's very relationship oriented, um, Mm -hmm. People come to us on the day their spouse dies really often can, because my husband and I committed to finding something to celebrate with every human being um, early, early, early in our professional lives. We just found a way to celebrate something. And, and even on people's darkest days, they know they can trust Dr. Chuck and I to, to find a way to, to bring some light. And um, as time went by, how we we get to the global positive media um, thing is that over time, I started noticing in 2010, 11, 12, 13, that people's uh, people who I'd known as cheerful their whole lives were starting mm-hmm. to really get sucked down by the negative news. We think the news and social media is negative now. It was starting to go that way a good almost eight, nine years ago. And I kept saying to myself, someone's got to do something about this. Uh, you know, really lovely, cheerful people would just go down the downward spiral in conversations about the future so quickly. Um, yeah. And uh, so, you know, I did the thing that so many uh, social innovators do. I just kept saying, somebody's got to do something about this. Somebody's <laughs> got to do something about this. Um, and meanwhile, um, because of my my interest in service to others, my husband and I had traveled with our children all over the world. Mm-hmm. And my kids have slept on plywood in Tibet and we've gone to visit orphanages and be helpful in Ecuador and all kinds of crazy mm-hmm. places all over. And what, what we knew was that the world we see on the news and on the internet was not at all like mm-hmm. the world that's out there, mm-hmm. that people are remarkably ingenious and generous mm-hmm. in the most bleakest places. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I wasn't finding that on the internet. So, uh you know, you get in this, this mode where you're just going along, you're just doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I was a good dentist and love my patients and everything was copacetic, except that I kept having this, somebody's got to do something about this, <laughs> about the negative news. Like, and then one day I got an email from a young man who was um, writing me from a very bleak, bleak place in the world with a very, very, very sad opinion of what he should do next, because all he mm. could see around him was darkness. Yeah. And I went on a mad search of the internet to send him someplace to see some light, to see yeah. innovation and, and 
possibility. And when I couldn't find it, um, I spent about two days. I, I, I started it. I, I just snapped and that someone who should do something about this became me. So I started a website at everwideningcircles.com where we promised no politics and no ads. This is the, the um, institutional gap on the internet can is trust. Yes. And as soon as you put in politics or you put in ads, the level of trust that you get um, in people's mind's eye about the internet and content there goes right out the window. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's, I began writing one article, um, on anything under the sun to prove it's still an amazing world, uh, every day, um, mm-hmm. in 2014. And, um, we've written about all the most amazing things going on in the world that almost no one knows about. That is awesome. I'm so glad that you, uh, finally were put in a position where you decided to do that because once that decision took place, everything else began to, you began to open up the world right. in a different pla- uh, right. place. Um, I, I love your stories that you mentioned, the family, your dad. That must have been powerful to see the servanthood being practiced on a daily uh, basis. And I could see the other incident, the, the darkness that came, mm-hmm. and you saw that dichotomy between the two yes. uh, people, and I could and it was. I'm so glad that you ran towards the positive side uh, versus the other side. And again, that is shows. And I, I try to tell people the choices that you make. Yes. Uh, you had your crossroad, and crossroads are very common in life. And um, this is the place you need to make some serious decision. And I, I, I challenge you all. Before you make that decision at the crossroad, uh, go in a little. Go in a little and uh, grab some information from the inside uh, because I, I, all the five senses can be manipulated. But that inside, that inner voice, no one can manipulate it. No man has the, the, the wisdom to touch it. So when you're at those crossroads, go in a little and trust that inside person, even though it's going to look a little strange, well, you listen to that and I guarantee you that he has your back. You you just have to uh, let him uh, uh, lead the way. And I love that you made that choice, Tom, because from that choice, it kept you looking, wanting more, wanting more to, to, to reach out to this young man. And here you are now getting a chance to reach out to even more uh, young people, and thank you for making that choice. So you have started this, um, and you put it together. You said, okay, I'm the one. And then you started putting it together. Tell me about some of those stories, because I know you have some, that um, when someone read one of those articles, it helped them and assist them in making a decision that is profitable for their life. Tell, tell me about some of those. Well, I've, I've, I, I personally interview many, many of the thought leaders that we write about in their projects. And mm-hmm. um, I was, that's how I came to have the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast, is I was mm-hmm. having these conversations anyway, and my own mind being blown by the insight that these people mm-hmm. would share with me. What keeps them going? 
in, in spite of incredible odds. They just get up every morning and keep at it. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's how we got the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast is I finally one day kind of got a light bulb moment and said, <laughs> well, this is easy. We should just record this. Um, <laughs> sometimes you don't connect the dots that fast, right? Yeah. Um, so that's how the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast came along. Well, that is quite a bit down the road from where we started was me and a local kid um, who I found was quite was quite computer savvy. could build me a, a reasonable website. And there we went off writing one article a day to prove it's still amazing world. And in that part of the choice story, of the story, I want to encourage people to take those steps. Um, there's a great article and a great person to look up um, on the ever widening circles platform called Damien Mander. Now, Damien Mander, <laughs> he has discovered that single mothers make the best game wardens in Africa. <laughs> um, you know, the famous Jane Goodall that she is on his board. This guy arguably has one of the most important ideas in conservation in, in a hundred years. And Damien started out a sniper in the Iraq war. He he had no interest in wildlife whatsoever. And yeah. um, he has a great story of how he um, transitioned after the war. He went on vacation and an aha moment happened right before him one day on a touristy game drive. And it changed yeah. his life forever. And as you pointed out a moment ago, he, he just took the next step. He just mm-hmm. did what his heart told him to do. Yeah. over and over and over again. And he didn't start out with single mothers are going to be the best game wardens. He discovered that after yeah. much trial and error and throwing his heart and soul at this. And that's the story of so many innovators, Ken. It's yeah. my story. It's, it's the story of anybody who's shaping the future in a fabulous way for us all that we mm-hmm. hardly have heard about at all. And there's thousands. Yeah. Um is taking this first step. So my first step in just starting somewhere is what I would encourage anybody to do who has the heart of a lion and knows that they are being called to do something that's going to make the world a better place. Just start somewhere. Damien goes on about that. Just get started. Um, And then as time passed, um, we built up this incredible library of goodness and, and in, inspiration that's happening in the world. And my daughter graduated from Harvard. And mm-hmm. this is the next big, the big tipping point is that um, she was an ordinary kid from a farming. We are from a farming town in Vermont where the Ben and Jerry's mm-hmm. cows are. They're in our front yard. They've been on our deck before pooping. And <laughs> uh, so this kid grows up in Vermont in this very real way. And um, because of her project that that uh, to give back, um, she she became the largest single donor for our um, our local um, Better Women's Shelter as a teenager. She got a project that raised so much money for the local Better Women's Shelter that Harvard said, OK, kid, you got you got a shot. So when she graduated, um, she joined me in this endeavor. Now, nothing would have, would have happened with this project had I not had that level of 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 uh, of help from her because she yeah. learned well. She made mm-hmm. the most of her education, and that's when things really took off. We had one hundred and seventy thousand Facebook fans almost overnight um, it, within six months, all over the world. And this is something kind of inspiring, Ken. You know, yeah. I have um, I have almost five thousand Facebook fans in Afghanistan. Wow, fifteen thousand in Pakistan. It's impressive. 
18,000 in Nepal. I mean, this, what you're doing, what I'm doing is a global message, yes. it's a global, mm-hmm. it's a global need to feel better about our, our fellow man. Yeah, uh, we have so much to to give each other um, that it is when we look at the news, it can it breaks my heart. So I don't look at it because it it causes me an internal pain that, yes. that and it makes me realize the need is such a great thing um, because the human spirit is such a beautiful, beautiful. Uh, uh, being and the capability and and the limitlessness that is in that being and to see people treat themselves in such an ugly fashion sometimes that's what breaks my heart it's the fact that they don't love themselves and because they don't love themselves they're expressing this anger and uh my heart goes to them because I, i i when I see someone like that, Doc, I, I, I say a little prayer that they would meet someone that can teach them and, and talk to them about love and how it changed them and that it could change them as well because the, the hate you see them in the eyes. And I've seen that emotion cause people to cripple, be crippled, to kill, to do all kinds of um, things that is just outlandish from lack of control of that one single emotion mm-hmm. and the amount of pain that it caused within a family, that's even, you know, in relationships. And so we need to have a platform like yours and all the others that are out there so that we can teach people how to love themselves and change this planet, guys. Come on, let's do this. <laughs> we totally do it. It's happening. Yeah, it is. It's so nice to get a chance to meet someone like yourself that is doing it on on, on that scale. And so for me, it's it's exciting to have you to have this conversation. You know. Well, so I, I want to share with you something on that. Um, this this notion of coming together and so forth. Um, you know, when we think about darkness, mm-hmm. um, I, what I've noticed, and I I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is that, you know. Darkness can be good. Like uh, there's this amazing thought leader named Dr. Sweekumar Rao, who has, um, who, uh, who I've, I've kind of focused on his work a little bit and I've learned to have bad things happen to me. And I just say, this happened. I don't really mm-hmm. label it good or bad initially, mm-hmm. like I used to. And most people know that um, they can talk about bad things that happened in their life, but turned out really good. Six months later, it was like a lucky break. Mm-hmm. And at the time they were heartbroken. Yeah. Um, so we all have enough stories of that in our lives that, um, that I think this is a place where most of the innovators in the world who are tackling the, wor- the world's most important problems, I think they live in this, this happen space instead yes. of that was terrible. That was awful. Mm-hmm. You know, Oh, that was so good. Now I don't think they, what I've noticed is that, they found that sweet spot in just saying this happened and let time unfold. Mm-hmm. And usually their minds are such heat seeking missiles for progress and their, um, and, and goodness that time unfolds and that bad thing that they might've quickly, quickly labeled 
turns out to yeah. be an opportunity in the end. Yeah, I think it's how you, um, your perception of what you do about that yes. incident. I yes. think more so because um, rainfall on the just and the unjust, <laughs> you know, hey. <laughs> but it's how you look at the rain. You know, some people will look at the rain and hate the rain. Right. And then you have those that will look at the rain and it's absolutely ecstatic that it's here yes. and um, want to get in in the, the rain and dance and the other person is looking at them as if they're nuts. And so it's not a matter of um, that darkness comes or whatever. It, 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 that's just things that happen, but it's your perception and what you do with it. Yes. Um, how do you want to... Um, how do you want this to, to be? And so this is what life is. It To me, it's a place where the canvas is equalized. It's that you can create new things with this, cam this dark canvas that is before you. And it's up to us how we perceive this darkness. Yes. It is a place to create because that's where you look into yourself and go, wait a minute. There must be an answer. And then when you look back a couple months ago, it was the necessary-ness that was needed to make you go forward. Absolutely. And, you know, um, I think we're afraid of contrast and yes. friction. And mm -hmm. I think contrast and friction is where all the good stuff is created. Yes. Nothing good, nothing really special ever happened without friction. That's the that's the heat that's generated from from two people or two situations coming together, colliding and figuring out a way forward. And so when I look at darkness, um I I I'm always looking around in the darkness for a point of light. Like when I walk in a room and I can see there's a lot of negative energy, I'll look for that, you know, that, that point of light, that one person over there that's managing to smile through it all or is saying, mm -hmm. but on the bright side, you know, <laughs> they're, they're, um, the more the darkness, the more you can see the bright spots. Yes. yes. Yeah. And yes. Um, my purpose in life is to, is to create a place. So ever widening circles is becoming the goodness exchange on December 1st. Mm -hmm. um, we found that just telling good news stories was incredibly valuable for many people, just their peace of mind. People need to know mm -hmm. that all these amazing things are happening in the world. Um, but it wasn't enough for what we're capable of. I'm always big on everybody finding what they're uniquely built to contribute and yes. going for it. So yeah. we figured out with the goodness exchange, we can keep on pointing that to the fact that it is an the world is still an amazing place and introducing people to the people who are making it that way. But we can mm -hmm. also become a landscape where people can find what they're uniquely built to contribute and, and come together. Because mm -hmm. once we start coming together, just like a bunch of tiny points of light in the darkness can't really um, shine on a path, if we can come together, people like you, people like me, people like all these incredible projects we've written about, once we can come together, um, we will be an unstoppable light, a path yes. that people can follow to find their own light. So that's sort of the, 
the niche that I'm in is providing people a path to elevate their very best impulses. That is beautiful. Isn't that the most exciting thing there is to do? I think I don't know what, what else is there to do because um, I love to see when the light bulb goes off in someone and they began, they're like, wait a minute. And you can see this widening smile as it happens to them. And then that smile, it becomes contagious um, as one who is witnessing this. And I love that space and to have people come there. And I love what you're creating, though, where you, you uh, a way by which all these other lights can come together and create this beautiful, uh, um, uh, beautiful string of, of things Especially like it reminds me of Christmas Day, and when you see this uh, that uh, string of lights on that tree, it's, they have all the individual uh, bulbs and stuff like that. But when you wrap that thing around the tree, it's this beautiful bright light that is just gorgeous. And so I have that image imagery when you're talking about uh, reaching out and bringing all these lights together. So um, I'm glad that you're doing that. It's fun. I want to be a part of that. <laughs> That's so lovely. I um, I want to turn people on to um, just a few stories, if you don't mind, because a lot of people um, people are hungry for proof that it is still an amazing world. <laughs> yes. and, and by well, we should be because the, the mm-hmm. you know what I talk to people a lot is is how the internet actually works. Because I went from ordinary internet user to this global positive media. Um, person that really understands the the way the internet works. And if I could give people just a little comfort, um, you know, <laughs> the first thing I tell people is you are right to hold out hope for humanity. Mm-hmm. You are right to have thought, gosh, out of 4 billion websites, there ought to be someplace that's, that's still, uh, you know, really working from a position of kindness and, and mm-hmm. hope and um, amplifying our best impulses and all that. Everybody was right to hope for that with the internet, but the internet is like a tool. It's, it should be nothing more than a hammer in our lives. And you know how hammers are, Ken, you can use them to build things or demolish things. So it's our choice every day. When we pick up our phone every day, when we stare into the screens in our life, we really have to get our mind wrapped around the fact that we have to consciously make the internet a hammer to build things, not a hammer to demolish things. Because if left to um, the way it's structured, um, the internet now is, and, and this isn't a conspiracy theory. It just is. The internet is an attention economy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all it is. Nothing rises to the top except what we give our attention to. Mm-hmm. There's no merit. Doesn't matter on the internet. Goodness, uh, value, none of that matters on the internet. It's just what we give our attention to. And um, I love to remind people that we have a choice. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. We we can choose what to give our attention to. And if we do that, the cool thing about the internet is that the algorithms, people have heard the word algorithm. It's kind of mm-hmm. sounds like a scary big word, but really just think of an algorithm as a shortcut. The mm-hmm. internet is essentially looking at what we clicked on last and guessing what we want to see next based on what we clicked on last. Mm-hmm. And that is a double-edged sword because if we fall prey to all the, the clickbait, 
If we're constantly mm-hmm. scrolling and clicking and clicking, even for a millisecond on stuff that's triggering our lizard brain out of curiosity or fear or whatever, uh, our algorithms are going to think that's what we want and just yeah. serve us more. But mm-hmm. the reverse is true. If we go to the internet with a really conscious mind about what we give our attention to, um, we can click our way, give our attention to the kind of future that we want. That includes, because the internet is a rich and diverse place. You just have to know um, that there's a game being played with your emotions and refuse Mm -hmm. to play it. Yeah, I know you're absolutely right. And and it is the power of choice. Um, I know when we had started to talk, you wanted to discuss about the mind, the brain. And I wanted to bring that to your attention. So you like make sure that I, I remind you. Talk to us about uh, the usage of that tool that each and every one of us have. And it is a tool that if used or when used correctly, it can achieve tremendous amount of things. And so I wanted you to, um, I want to remind you, as you had said, um, yeah. tell us some stories about that. Okay. So, um, uh, this is the kind of content that's on the internet. If you tune your algorithms to send you this stuff. Um, one of my favorite articles to refer people to is, um, is an article about this wonderful man named Topher White, who has discovered that um, we can use old cell phones, like we all have in a junk drawer to save mm-hmm. all the remaining rainforest on the planet. Wow. He was an engineer who went on vacation. Now, this is also a great story of how your calling sometimes just finds you. So Mm -hmm. he was an ordinary young engineer, 25-ish. He went to Borneo, and he was in a a gibbon reserve in a national forest that was protected. And all of a sudden, he was just a tourist. Um, All the the people who work at the reserve went running into the forest. So like any self-respecting 25-year-old, he starts following them running, and he's filming the whole thing. So he has this thing on on video. Um, And not that far, about 200 yards from the reserve um, camp, uh, illegal loggers were taking down a tree that would take five of us to get our arms around. But the internet is so loud with sounds of animals mm-hmm. and everything that that is why illegal logging can happen in the rainforest so easily because it's so full of sound that no one can hear illegal loggers mm-hmm. till it's too late. So this set Telford to thinking, wait a minute. You know, it's simply a matter of, of hearing these illegal loggers before they do their damage. I mean, mm-hmm. well, he went back to the United States and he discovered that you can take an old cell phone and tune it mm-hmm. to only pick up the sound of a chainsaw, the frequency. And <laughs> he also discovered that every remaining rainforest in the world is covered by satellite service. <laughs> and so if you placed um, these cell phones with daisy oh, chain solar collectors yeah. at about three kilometer intervals around mm-hmm. rainforests, um, the minute a chainsaw is fired up, it sends a signal up to the satellite and down to local rangers who can save the forest. And um, and we can literally, uh, for every one of these that he's found, uh, they can put in a tree. It's the same as taking 3,000 cars off the road as far as protecting the trees for carbon sequestration. Wow, that is yeah. awesome. That's powerful. That's just powerful. Yeah. <laughs> so there are stories like that of innovation from every corner of the planet. There's a couple of Canadian scientists who discovered that, you know how we keep hearing about how much, how much ocean plastic is a problem? 
garbage mm-hmm. in the ocean? Yeah. Well, these scientists discovered that 90% of the ocean garbage comes from just 10 rivers on the planet. Wow. 90%. Wow. So they have figured out a way to capture all the garbage in these 10 rivers. Um, wow. You know, these are the people who are out there solving some of our world's most vexing problems, but they're not making the evening news. Their stories are just yeah. not rising to the top. Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah. Um, so that's our mission is to make sure people know that there is someone tackling yeah. almost every vexing problem in the world, large or small. And we need to, we need to amplify the work that they're doing and figure out our role in it, whatever it might be. I, I, as I mentioned before, I would love to be a part of it because this is some good stuff. And um, I want them to, uh, people to hear about it. So I'm just glad that you're here because I want to amplify the voices of people that are coming in and uh, people are not aware that they're here. And uh, I'm doing the same on the same, you know, trying to do the same with you so that people can understand and see who we are and that we are much greater than how some people are behaving. But there are people out there that are behaving well, that when you sit down and you read uh, the vision that they have, the the desire, the love, all of these things, uh, you may look at them and they look simple, but when you have a conversation, an exchange, you are amazed at the vision that they have for you, for me to enjoy, to be a part of it as we are all here housed in this beautiful, beautiful space called Earth. And so I want to thank you, Doc, for coming by, my Lord. Um, that you were here. I know we had some uh, scheduling difficulties, but I'm excited that you showed up and we had this exchange because I know I want to be a part of what you're doing and we're going to stay in touch. And everyone that is listening to this podcast, I want you guys to get in touch with Dom, get to her sites, get to everything that she's doing and learn, get to her yes. and learn. This is as we become learners, we become better students of ourselves. We begin to ask the questions that we need to be honest with ourselves and we change the world. And so here is a world changer as she begins to unite all of the other world changers. Find yourself to her sight and marry yourself to the vision so that you can be a part of what she's talking about. Ken, might, might I leave people with two simple um, what to do next steps? Please. All right. Um, you heard me tell the story of the, the conspiracy of goodness at the beginning of this podcast. Um, that was my very first TEDx talk. And that TEDx talk goes into that concept deeper and how it works out historically and mm-hmm. why I think we're about ready to open a new era. So you can look at look up, um, if, if people um, do a Google search on uh, exposing the conspiracy of goodness, that's the name of the TED Talk, exposing the conspiracy of goodness, Dr. Linda Ulrich, you're going to feel like the world is, um, is just there for you to start walking with a spring in your step again. Um, and the second TED talk I did is called the power 
of the pause. Mm -hmm. I did this for a, a group in India. Um, and the power of the pause TED talk really has a, a, a fundamental um, uh, way of being in the world, much like Mus mother Teresa, Gandhi, Abraham Lincoln. These people mm -hmm. had the same wiring as you and I do in their brain, that they knew how to practice the pause mm -hmm. and then shift up to a more helpful beautiful part of the brain than that part of our brain um, that's so responsive to fear. So if people want to expand this journey from where you've, you've, you've taken us, because that's the beauty of your work, Ken, is that you take people on little journeys, they could never go on without you. So the whole world thanks you for that. But um, next steps, check out exposing the conspiracy of goodness and the power of the pause. Those two Ted talks will, will give you some tools to just start living a life with way more joy and way less fear. What I'm going to do doc is I'm going to put those two links um, at the podcast so that they can have access to it. So I'll, I'll make sure that it's there for them. So once they're listening, they can just click through and uh, get a chance to listen and learn because I actually believe in that breath because I tell them that breath is the bridge between the madness and the spiritual realm, the place of peace, the place of control, the place of power. Lovely. And once you're there, you change the world, you know. So I want to thank you again, Don, for coming and gracing us with your presence. And I look forward to working with you. Okay, you're. We're gonna we're gonna collaborate. I, I'm gonna um, look you up very very soon, probably by the end of the week. Thank you so All much. Right. See what we can amplify. Definitely, you have a great day. Enjoy. Okay, bye bye. Everyone who's listening to this broadcast. We hope to continually help you to learn how to embrace moments of darkness because it is in the darkness that we learn how to develop and use our abilities to truly see those parts of ourselves often invisible to us in the light. It becomes your responsibility to navigate through all of your trials to find out who you truly are and begin your journey to loving yourself, which is possibly one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life. To love yourself and to find the real you, but always remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for coming by. Please subscribe. And if you can support us financially, we deeply appreciate it. You can do this by hitting the heart button. Until next time, invite your family, friends, neighbors, anyone that you can. You can hear us on Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Overcast, and many more. Everyone who's listening 
to this broadcast. We hope to continually help you to learn how to embrace moments of darkness because it is in the darkness that we learn how to develop and use our abilities to truly see those parts of ourselves often invisible to us in the light. It becomes your responsibility to navigate through all of your trials to find out who you truly are and begin your journey to loving yourself, which is possibly one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life. To love yourself and to find the real you, but always remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for coming by. Please subscribe. And if you can support us financially, we deeply appreciate it. Until next time, invite your family, friends, neighbors, anyone that you can. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Overcast, and many more.